it is such a candidate-driven market. And right now the unemployment rate is 3.6%. And it's really hard to uh, convince somebody that, you know, they want to come work for your company if you're not giving them the attention or the follow-up or being communicative, I guess is the correct word, just being communicative. Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76. Remember the not so long ago days when you could post an open job and watch candidates line up down the street? Yeah, seems like kind of a distant memory, right? It's amazing how quickly we've moved into a candidate-driven market on the hiring front over the past few years. Almost everyone's feeling it, but very few seem to know what to do about it. My guest today is an expert in recruiting and specifically inside of the manufacturing sector. She'll share her wisdom about what you can do to make your workplace more appealing to the shrinking pie of potential candidates out there. We'll talk philosophy, but we'll also talk tactics that you can put into play right away. Let me introduce her. Ann Wyatt, President and owner of Ann Wyatt Recruiting, is passionate about helping innovative and progressive industrial, small to medium enterprises and solutions providers in accessing top leading technical talent within an increasingly decentralized market. Achieving this goal relies on blending emerging digital capabilities with a highly personable customer user experience, resulting in bridging of the talent gap and building stronger company cultures and communities. And welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Joe. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you bet. I'm a big We've... fan of your your show and uh, your podcast. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, we've known each other for a while here, and uh, it's about time we got you up on here uh, on the show um, as a guest. So I'm glad we could do this. Yeah, me too. Me too. This is a, this is a privilege for me because um, you're out there uh, making great content and uh, creating some some great marketing materials as well for companies. So this is really awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, and you have been running your own recruiting business specifically in the manufacturing sector for, I think about seven years, right? And um, you have worked in workforce development prior to that. You've seen a lot of change in the sector over the past decade or so, I imagine. So I wanted to kind of just open up in broad terms and ask you, what's your perspective on the current labor situation in manufacturing and where it's headed? Yeah, this is a great question. And um, I get this question a lot with the, with the labor markets. Um, I'll give you kind of a little bit of background on what I've seen through the years. And in total, I've been uh, in some aspect of workforce development for around 10 years or so. Um, so when I first started at the Career Center, 
I'll just, um, I'll put it in this, in these terms, the unemployment rate at that time was around 7%. Um, and when I first started, I worked at the front desk. So I would check people in and I remember it would log the number of people that we had in the career center every day. It usually averaged anywhere from 500 to 600 people. So that was around 2010 coming out of 2008. And at that time, the unemployment rate was still very high at 7%. By the time I left the career center, the unemployment rate was around 5%. At that time in 2015, that was considered full employment. Currently, and I just checked this morning, currently the unemployment rate is around 3.6%. So I believe that they have changed the full employment from five to 4% in recent years. I think I saw that um, on the BLS website, but at 3.6%, that's still well into full employment levels. Um, so with that being said, what I've seen is a very, you know, a transition through a very extreme end of uh, high unemployment, uh, low job numbers, and very few opportunities into the absolute 180 inverse of that to where it is now an almost 100% candidate driven market. Um, and you have seen these, <laughs> we at recruiting, we have seen uh, some of the highest offers made, some of the best benefit packages being put together and offered. So a lot of analysts right now are saying that the supply chain issues are probably going to affect the labor market and that you're going to see a little bit of a slowdown. Um, that compared with other world events, you know, what's going on overseas um, is just getting, it's getting really, it's a lot harder to get the product out the door on time, things of that nature. Um, so, I mean, we will see uh, where that goes. If anything, though, I would expect almost like if you think of like stock markets, I would almost expect like a correction of some sort uh, because we are still so, you know, so low on the full employment, the, the unemployment rates, 3.6%. It's going to take a lot. It would take a lot. And I don't know that manufacturing will necessarily be as impacted as other industries, okay. honestly, um, because we're going to also see a lot of reshoring efforts too. So if anything, you know, it may be slow for a little bit, but I, I think it will pick up speed again. And you were recently telling me about sort of all the hats that HR folks inside of manufacturing organizations often need to wear and being such a candidate driven market, as you mentioned a few minutes ago, it can be really hard to put the time and energy into um, what you described as rolling out the red carpet for a candidate, which is kind of what you need to do right now. Um, Cause a lot of the power tends to be in their hands. So can you get into a little bit about why that's so important at this moment in time that you know, manufacturers make the time and devote the resources to actually courting their potential hires? 
Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of the clients that I would work with um, on a normal basis, they're small, medium enterprises and their HR department is literally like maybe two or three people. Um, so with that being said, um, they have a lot of different functions in their roles and responsibilities. So it's not just all about recruiting. It also encompasses uh, payroll in a lot of cases because a lot of companies don't necessarily have their own accounting department that falls under um, an HR function. Um, benefits, um, onboarding, employee relations, so anytime there's any uh, issue with employees on the floor with each other, um, that has to be addressed by HR directly. So you can, you can kind of imagine that if you have this department of, you know, two to three people, they have a lot of roles and responsibilities that they have to manage day to day. And, um, you know, people are people and, you know, they, things, things come up all the time, right? Like they also manage the staffing flow, like who's calling in sick that day, who has appointments, that kind of thing. So um, recruiting, I think in a lot of cases has become not, I mean, it's, it's not day-to-day. -day. It's not like a day-to-day -day operations thing. It's like we have personnel issues and we need to take on some new employees to fill those needs, um, right? So um, I think that it kind of, they're so inundated on day-to-day -day operational things that they don't maybe have a lot of the time or resources to devote to recruiting specifically. I feel like that can really impact your recruiting efforts, however, because it is such a candidate driven market. And right now the unemployment rate is 3.6%. And it's really hard to uh, convince somebody that, you know, they want to come work for your company if you're not giving them the attention or the follow-up or being communicative, I guess is the correct word, just being communicative with them um, and just being, uh, letting them know kind of the process and what's next and being timely because in the amount of time, and I've seen this happen so many times, this is called like a fall off, right? So when you're in the middle of the interviewing process, you submit a candidate for the interview, the candidate interviews, by the time that the operational leadership comes back or the HR leadership comes back and says, yeah, we want to move to the next step with this candidate, that candidate has already received multiple offers. So then that candidate is kind of in this position, like, you know, I don't, I mean, people are people. They're like, okay, well, I just interviewed here and I, I don't know what I don't know, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so they're either going to be hesitant. They're going to say, you know, I have another opportunity that I would like to move forward with instead, these types of situations. So being very quick to communicate and provide feedback is very important right now. Um, that's a, that's a huge, huge setback when you're trying to uh, recruit in this candidate driven market. 
That, that's a, a really good tip there. Um, you can't, you can't wait a few days anymore. You know, it's, I think people are probably stuck in that mindset from a decade ago when they felt like they had the power in the, not that it's supposed to be a big power struggle, but you know, candidate driven market, they're calling the shots in a lot of ways is, is the reality. And you need to be fast and responsive. And, um, that that's kind of your first impression for them in a lot of ways. Does this person actually want, does this company actually want me working here? How much do they care? Right. Absolutely. And, you know, we've heard this phrase over and over, you know, if we build it, they will come. And I mean, that's true to some extent, but when you're in a situation like we are, we've been in for the past couple of years, um, you're, you're almost so, you know, they have so many options. It's, um, it's kind of like, you can't just post your job order anymore and expect for, for candidates to apply. You really have to be proactive and aggressive in reaching out to them and networking with them and building and growing your network. And I've spent a lot of time and um, efforts doing that myself. So um, it, it takes a lot of, of work. It's no longer passive. You know, it's mm. no longer like we're going to throw this out here and expect for people to apply. Um, it's very much, um, you know, you really have to go and uh, communicate that you have needs and then you have to market and then you have to um, be communicative through the process and really um, reach people where they are, which I know we'll talk about more later, but mm -hmm. um, it's a, it's an active process, you know? Yeah. That's definitely changed. I bet. What are, are there examples like tactical things that you've seen really smart manufacturers doing or things you recommend, um, you know, just to get a little bit more tangible, um, what can companies be doing to, you know, roll out that red carpet or show a candidate, you know, we're serious about you. We really want you here. Um, I'll open it up to you. Absolutely. Yes. So you don't really have to have all the bells and whistles. Mm -hmm. um, you do have to be flexible, I think, at a certain extent. So if you really want somebody, you know, if they are just the perfect fit, you have to be proactive in retaining them uh, to your workforce and bringing them on board. So by that, I mean, you know, if you really want somebody and they're the, they're the perfect fit for your culture, for the job, all of those things, you, the number one thing you can't do is wait or hesitate. You have to be ready to make them an offer. Um, and then you're probably going to have to be a little flexible. So maybe um, their salary is not as high as it was previously. Maybe they had three weeks of vacation and they're looking for four. You have to figure out and find out what that person needs to make that move. And having a resource like a third-party recruiter, for example, is a great way to find that out because that's where I come in and I say, okay, well, let me really kind of have that conversation with them and figure out what they really, uh, what it's going to take for them to, to get there. Um, but some of the more simpler things even that I've seen that companies have done, um, they've taken their potential hires on tours of the plant before actually bringing them in for the interview and letting them talk to employees on the floor. You know, especially if that candidate is being motivated by maybe they want a tighter, you know, 
community feel to their to their workplace. So if they're looking for that smaller, uh, medium-sized enterprise that feels more like a family environment, um, which some people prefer that, bringing them onto the floor and letting them talk to people and letting them meet people and letting them ask them questions about their job and day-to-day -day is a huge step towards providing an excellent candidate experience, rolling out that red carpet, so to speak. Um, another thing, um, some of my companies that have been more progressive and um, have been successful in their recruiting efforts right now, they have been flexible, but they've also been uh, communicative and responsive. And they're also not afraid to show off their, their workforce or their plan in some way. So they are okay with um, the marketing piece of it and showing that person, you know, what specifically you're doing. Either they do that internally on their own through their marketing department, or if they don't have a marketing department, I've seen a lot of companies very, be very successful by appointing um, like branded, like, em, like employee influencers. I don't know really what the right word for that is, but um, employees that essentially work for them that are posting on social media anyway, and that are saying, yeah, go for it. Use this hashtag. You know, let's um, get the word out there that we're a good place to work for. So that's been um, a strong, a strong marketing um, point as well. But there are different things that you can do to provide that catering experience. It doesn't have to be like, oh, well, I know that this person uh, is is making X amount, and you know, we need to feel like we need to match that. Um, it depends on the amount. Right. I mean, if that's, <laughs> I mean, there's only so far we can probably get right with, um, with filling roles and it doesn't always have to be that. So I don't want people to think that, and people are motivated by different things and really working with them to figure out what that thing is, what that motivating thing is and making sure that they're a good fit for what your company can provide. Um, transparency if you will, just being transparent. Yeah. That's going to make you successful in recruiting. That makes sense. I think a common thread that as I, as I sit here listening to you too, is, um, is you, you just, you need to have a really good pulse, I think on what, um, your workforce really cares about and values. Cause I think it's, it's, I mean, for everybody I, I talk to, it's just changed a lot over the last decade. You know, there's, especially with the younger members of the workforce where, it seems like a lot of people value the flexibility and schedule and the, you know, when you've got kids at home and, and, you know, being able to work maybe a little different hours or uh, more on certain days than others. And, you know, of course it's, it's sometimes easier said than done, but I think the point I'm making is talk to your people, talk to your candidates, learn what actually is important to them rather than making assumptions. Um, and you'll probably recognize patterns and then you'll probably have one-off cases too, I imagine, where it's like, okay, well, this particular person, this is just something that really matters to them. And I can show them that, um, you know, we're willing to be flexible because we want them here and that's going to immediately make them feel valued, I imagine. 
Absolutely. And that is another really key point, Joe, is that, you know, there's a lot of, I mentioned this earlier, I think, but there's a lot of instability right now. And we're mm-hmm. kind of seeing um, all of these different factors coming coming to play, um, not just, you know, the supply chain issues. We've been, you know, we've made, we've made it through COVID. Um, People do have, like myself, and I know you do, you have uh, children as well, and sometimes you just have to be a little bit more flexible with people and understand, okay, you know, um, 12-hour shifts, seven days a week is probably, you know, it's probably not the thing, is it? And that's why I'm all about bringing in some automation, too, to help alleviate that and let people have that work-life balance that they're looking for. Because I do think that that's, that's huge in today's day and age. And I know as a parent yourself, you know, how many times, how many holidays do we have? You know, how many, how many times do, you know, do the kiddos get sick and how, you know, you were always taking off, you're always shuffling them somewhere. You know, you have to have that flexibility, especially to diversify your recruiting efforts as well uh, and your workforce. So. That's, you know, leading with empathy, being flexible. That's a great point. Let's talk about culture fit a little bit. Um, you touched on it a bit earlier, but why is culture fit so important? And what are the, some of the things that you do as a recruiter to help create that perfect match uh, between a manufacturing organization and a candidate? Yeah, so I love um, I love talking about the culture because I think that is such an important piece of the manufacturing workforce that mm-hmm. um, I think I've seen, I mean, I've seen exceptional examples of company culture. I've also seen not very good examples of company culture. Mm-hmm. Um, let me just put it out there, but those exceptional examples with company culture they don't have a hard time recruiting. They don't have a hard time retaining their, their workforce. Um, they have, you know, that builds your brand. I don't think that manufacturing companies, sometimes they miss that. Like their culture is a piece of your brand mm-hmm. in your community. And when you don't have a good culture, your recruiting efforts are going to suffer. Your retention rates are going to be non-existent. Um, as sorry, as one as one of my HR contacts said, um, it so it's really important piece to uh, to your workforce, and it's the only way to create a sustainable manufacturing workforce is through um, culture improvement. But I think that's also very important when it comes to those motivating factors as well, right? Because if you have somebody that is motivated by a salary increase, then, you know, they're not necessarily, they're probably more willing to be okay with less work-life balance. Um, If you have somebody like myself, though, that, um, you know, I have to constantly rearrange everything and then come back and say, okay, well, I'll, you know, I'll hit it after nine, eight, you know, 9 p.m. tonight when he goes to bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have somebody that has to always like flex their schedule around a child or um, somebody that just prefers work-life balance. 
then that person's not going to be probably be as motivated by a salary. So they are probably more willing if the culture is good. And if you're, you know, if your company is pretty flexible with their workforce, they would stay regardless of salary. And I, I've known people, I've known several people that have said, you know, I really like my company. Does it pay, you know, as high as other companies? No, but do we have uh, good management and um, do they offer a flexible work schedule? Absolutely. And I, I would stay as long as, as long as they'll have me. So I think that's, that's, uh, that's super important. Um, I always make it a point to assess my candidates for culture because I think I'm just such a big believer in recruiting. You never want to put somebody somewhere that's not going to be a long-term fit because candidates, when they're applying for a new position, more often than not, their thought process is I want to be somewhere for a while. It's not, you know, they are not looking to um, job hop. They're looking for a steady career that they're going to be happy with and grow. Uh, growth is, a, is another motivating factor that I hear so much from uh, candidates reaching out to me. But they want that investment. They want to be there for the long haul. Um, so I really find that it's helpful to assess the candidate. First of all, identify one of those five motivating factors, which um, are salary, growth opportunities, work-life balance. Um, I think benefits is one of them. And then also, um, I can't remember the fifth one right offhand, but there's, there's five motivating factors. Identify one of those what that candidate is leaning towards and then be very transparent about the company and what their uh, qualifications are. So if they're coming to me and they're saying, you know, this is what I value as in terms of um, attitude, aptitude, um, KPIs, what our company size is, what our priorities are. That's all information I like to get up front from the client. And then I like to compare it to the information uh, that I go over with the candidate. And there have been plenty of cases where I've said, you know what, I don't know that this company is the right fit for you because I know their company, you know, I know the shift hours. I know, um, based on the information you're telling me about your salary. Um, I know you're getting like five weeks of vacation right now. I mean, there are just different factors that go into that. And the last thing I want to do as a recruiter is really set somebody up for failure. I want to set them up for success. I want them to build that lasting relationship. And that's my goal. You know, um, I'm really passionate about workforce development. I want that sustainability. I want that stability in manufacturing workforce. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in there. <clears throat> I imagine too, there are times where it's not, you know, there are certainly examples of this is bad culture and this is good culture. Probably a lot of times too, though, when you're talking about fit, it may not be so, so black and white. It, it may just be do the things that this company values align with the things that this person values. And for some people, the answer is going to be yes. And for others, 
it may not be. And that's okay too. But having identified all that ahead of time as a manufacturer and asking those questions and making sure that there's sort of a mutual understanding about what this job's going to be like and what it's going to be like to work here um, can probably build a lot of confidence for people who are the right fit and detract people that probably aren't, but may not have realized it. And then, you know, three months down the road, everybody's unhappy. You can maybe avoid those situations too, right? Absolutely. So that's something that, you know, when I'm on a client intake call, a client discovery call, Mm -hmm. um, something of that nature, I want to identify right off the bat. I want to know, you know, what, what is your, um, your hours of operation? I want to know all of that stuff, company size, um, all of that. But I also want to know, you know, what are what's your path forward look like? Like what's your career progression path mm-hmm. and what's your recruitment strategy when it comes to sitting down with the candidates and talking out, you know, what's your path moving forward with your organization looks like. Um, that's a huge, that's a huge factor in uh, recruiting and retaining and giving them those opportunities and saying, you know what, you're going to do two years uh, in this apprenticeship program and this is what the pay rate's going to be. And then after the two years, we're going to move you up into this role, you know, and then from there, this is what the projected uh, longevity of that position is until we're, we're moving you up again. Um, and this is, in the meantime, this is the extended education and professional development that we're going to offer to you. This is available if you would like it. Um, companies that are very good not only having those different steps in place for their employees, but also being able to explain that to them and walk them through that um, are also usually very good with the recruitment efforts, you know? So, and that's, that's also a culture builder that's building your culture. Absolutely. So, and um, shifting gears a little bit here, I've, I've watched you over the you know, past couple of years, staying ahead of the curve digitally, which I applaud you for. You've, you know, you've helped facilitate some amazing conversations in Industry 4.0 Club, which began on Clubhouse, uh, and I think is kind of my, migrating gradually to LinkedIn Live, if I've heard about that correctly. I see you creating video content on TikTok, where I know very active communities of, for example, welders and machinists congregate. Um, and I, I think it's really great because you're looking at how and where your audience consumes information and figuring out how to reach them there. And I think that's a thing that most people and companies don't do well. They just don't, um, they say, oh, that's, that's for, you know, that's not for us or our audience. And the reality is, well, in some of these places, yeah, actually it is. And you need to pay attention to that. And so it, to me, it really just comes down to understanding your audience and where they go, uh, especially digitally. So I, I was just going to turn it over to you and let you kind of speak to that topic and maybe provide some advice to manufacturers, especially in this, you know, world of, of recruiting and trying to find talent. Like you're, the people you're trying to reach are out there and, and you can connect with them in, in places that you may not realize it. Absolutely. Um, disclaimer, I don't know that I'm very good at TikTok either. I don't, <laughs> I just, um, you know, I like TikTok. I will say I like TikTok because it is really easy to create content internally in the app. And you can, I mean, those videos, 
Whereas before, if I would make a video, I have software to do that. And it takes, I mean, it's a couple hour deal. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie mm -hmm. for me. Um, I'm not the best maybe at that either, but, um, TikTok, it's all in the app and it's just an easy, quick way to make content that mm -hmm. relates to people. So when we get into this conversation about, you know, meeting people where they are, something that I say a lot, um, because that's where your workforce is. So you really need to identify where your workforce is in order to even approach, their, approach them about recruiting. Um, TikTok's a great way to do that. There are a lot of users on TikTok and there are a lot of different communities on TikTok. Um, so I think, um, for all the naysayers, I think it's worth your time. You should check it out, give it a trial run, post some content. If nothing else, you can repurpose it because you can do that as well with that app, which is which is just really cool. Um, and put it on your, your LinkedIn. And that's something that I do. But it's important to get in front of your market. There's a lot of younger people on TikTok, um, but there's also plenty of um, parents that are on TikTok to be on TikTok to make sure their kids are staying out of trouble on TikTok. I've know I know several of those. Um, but being visible and having that presence online, not only builds your brand by exposing people to your brand, it also um, kind of gives you a human element as a company. And I think that right now with marketing. Um, people aren't necessarily as interested in company brands as they are individuals and individual stories. And when you can kind of go out of, of that, you know, kind of traditional box that we've all been in and you can expand and you can show your humanity and that, yes, you know, you have a whole workforce of people and yes, some days, um, some days it's going to be kind of serious in the workplace and we're going to solve the problems and we're going to provide the solutions and we're going to do great things for our customers and for the industry as a whole. Um, other days, you know, we're not afraid to have a little fun. We're not afraid to cut up a little bit. You know, but you can't, this whole perfect, you know, concept of, of a company and it being its own entity, it, it's, it doesn't connect like social media does to people on an individual basis. So you just have to be willing to uh, try a few of those things and uh, see what works for you. But I, you know, I think that people are always going to be much more interested in seeing the more real life, transparent uh, version of your brand than they are um, the traditional, um, more cut and dry entity aspect of it. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, humanize the brand, right? People like to work with people they like. And um, yeah, I think you have an opportunity to do that more so today than ever before. So I think there was, there was a lot of good stuff in there. Well, Ann, this has been a really great conversation. Um, I appreciate you doing this. And I'd, I'd like you to tell our audience where they can get in touch with you and learn more about your recruiting business and why it recruiting. 
Absolutely, yes. So you can see, um, you can see more about what I do, um, recruiting wise, at uh, annwyatrecruiting.com. Um, or you can connect with um, Ann Wyatt, the the person on LinkedIn, and I'm also um, working on a few things with LinkedIn Lives and doing some things like that as well, um, because I'll be starting a new show soon and uh, going to be featuring some other manufacturing guests and uh, influencers and, and people in our community through a show called Workforce 4.0. So Love I'm really that. excited about that. That's great. When's yeah. that gonna be when's that gonna be starting up, Ann? Oh gosh. So this is you're the first person I've told. Um All right. besides the person awesome. that's awesome. <laughs> um June twenty second is great. the date at twelve o'clock Eastern time. And it's gonna be LinkedIn Live. There is a workforce four page. There's also just me. And hey, if you just wanna say stop by and say hello anytime, just connect with me on LinkedIn. Send me a message. Like, hey, how are you? <laughs> Beautiful. Well, that sounds good. Well, yeah. looking, looking forward to seeing what you're doing there. It's obviously a really important topic right now in manufacturing, maybe the most important topic. So um, I'll make sure to tune in, tune in to uh, the, what you said it's called, going to be called Workforce 4.0. Yes. Beautiful. Yes. On Workforce Wednesdays. Love it. You're doing it. Love it. All right. Well, Ann, once again, thanks for doing this. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. It was my pleasure. As for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of the Manufacturing Executive.
You've been listening to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.